0: Hey everyone, this is Russell Brunson and welcome you to the Marketing Secrets Podcast. Uh, the next two episodes are a really special one for our Two Comma Club X members and our Inner Circle members. Um, I did an event recently, some of you guys heard me talk about it, and it was a Traffic Secrets event where I'm getting all the material ready for the book. And um, the night before I was doing all the prep work, I had this thought, I was like, I want to bring up somebody on stage, and it's somebody who uh, was a friend I grew up with in, in elementary school and junior high and high school, and someone who was down on the luck, who was really, really struggling. And uh, about a year ago, um, I saw him post something on Facebook and I reached out. And this uh, interview is happening about a year later. And he tells his story about what happened in the transformation and the change that's happened by being involved inside of our ClickFunnels Funnel Hacker community. And so I wanted to share that with you as part of the event. And so this first half is going to be Nick kind of telling his story. And it's going to be the story from, you know, from the bottom of the barrel where they were, they literally made $25,000 a year for uh, three years in a row. And then the transformation to this year will do well over six figures. And that's going to be this first podcast. And the second podcast episode is I did a live coaching session with him on stage. And I want to share with you as well because I think there's a lot of things for you specifically that um, you could get from this, from this episode too. So the next two episodes are going to be um, sharing this really fun conversation that happened at late night at the Traffic Seekers event with, uh, with my friend Nick Fitzgerald. And uh, if you think that name sounds familiar, I have talked about him before in this podcast. In fact, a little over a year ago, I did a podcast episode called Being a Rainmaker that uh, was a personalized podcast that I sent to Nick um, specifically to help him with what he was struggling with at the time. So anyway, I wanted to share this with you because it'll take you full circle to show you kind of the progress and the momentum and things that are happening in his life. And I think that it'll be encouraging for you to hear the story because no matter where you are in your journey right now, if you are struggling, if you're doing well, if you're you know, and somewhere in between, um, there are parts of this story that resonate with you. And then the second episode, where I coach Nick, I think will help everybody as well. So, with that said, let's jump right in and have some fun. I want to introduce you to my friend, Mr. Nick Fitzgerald. So, the big question is this How are entrepreneurs like us who didn't cheat and take on venture capital, who are spending money from our own pockets? How do we market in a way that lets us get our products and our services and the things that we believe in out to the world and yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Russell Brunson, and welcome to Marketing Secrets. Alright, so I want to set the tone for the next hour or so of what the game plan is. So I have a first initial question that I'm, I'm curious about with everyone here. Um, I'm curious who, since they joined the Two Column Club X program, has had some kind of experience with Mr. Nick Fitzgerald. Okay, that's powerful. I'm going to talk about why in a little bit, but um, very, very cool. So um, some of the backstory... Behind this, and then we're gonna we're gonna introduce him up when he comes up. I want you guys to go crazy and scream and cheer and clap because uh, it'll be good. And then I want him to sit down so we'll be the same height, which will be good. It'll be really fun. Um, so some of the backstory. So I actually met Nick the very first time in elementary school, and even in elementary school, he was like a foot and a half taller than me, which is amazing. He was like six foot two in like third grade. It was amazing. Um, but we knew each other, and we were dorky little kids, and going up through, uh, through elementary school, we were just both doing our things, and we didn't have a care in the world, and everything's happening, and then as we got older, he kept getting taller, I stopped growing, and then uh, we got into high school, and um, he kept growing, and he joined the basketball team, and I didn't keep growing, so I went downstairs in the basement, and literally at my, our high school, um, in the basement, There's they call it the rubber room, and it's this room that smells like, I don't even know, it's, but it's under the gym, and so um, he would go upstairs, and they'd have fans that would show up. People would cheer for them and scream at their games. All the girls would come to the games. We'd go down in the rubber room by ourselves, and we'd cut weight, and we'd put on our sweats, and we'd lose weight, and we'd jump rope, and we'd sweat like crazy. And we'd sit there. I remember one day— um, uh, after working out for two hours, pouring in sweat, I had my plastic ears on and my sweats on top of that, my hoodie and my hoods, and we got the wrestling mats, and we literally rolled ourselves up in the wrestling mats to keep the heat in, and we laid there, and we we're so hot. And I could hear the basketball players in the gym up above having so much fun, and people cheering for them, and all the girls were there. And I was like, why are we not playing basketball? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but— uh, but during that time, like, obviously we were in two different kind of worlds, and we didn't really connect that much, and then we left our, our separate ways, and I didn't hear from him for, for years and years and years. And then, um, you guys remember Facebook first came out? The first time you got it and you log in, you're like, oh my gosh, I connect with people. And you start, like, searching in, like, the friends you know, and then they find their friends. You spend, like, a day and a half, like, connecting with every person you've ever remembered seeing in your entire life. Do you guys remember that? And so I did that one night. I connected everybody, like, everyone in high school, everyone in junior high, elementary, everyone in every stage of my life, as many as I could think of. And I was like, I think it's Everybody okay, I've connected with everybody. And one of those people that night was Nick. And then, um, but I didn't like say hi, I just like friend requested me, requested back. I'm like, cool, we're connected. And then after that, I got kind of bored with Facebook for like a year or so. And then a little while later, I found out you can buy ads on it. And I was like, what, this is amazing. So we started buying ads and everything's happening and, and, uh, and it's crazy. And then what happened next, I actually want Nick on stage to tell you this story because I want to hear it from both his perspective and my perspective. I think it'd be kind of interesting so let's do this real quick. Um, as you guys know, Nick has been a super valuable part of this community since he came in. I'm going to tell a story about how he got here and, and some of the craziness about how he signed up when he probably shouldn't have and what's been happening since then. Because uh, I know you guys have all been part of that journey. You guys have been supporting him. How do you guys are going to his event that's happening later this week? Like He just keeps giving and serving. He's doing all the right things. He's telling the story. Like he's doing some amazing stuff. And so my plan right now is I want to talk about the rest of the story. Um, I want to tell you guys what I told him a year ago. And then I want to tell you guys my advice for him moving forward. Because I feel like it's almost like in proxy. I wish I could do that with every one of you guys and sit down here and just like coach you. But I feel like he's at a stage where some of you guys aren't where he's at yet. And some of you guys are past that. And some of you guys are right where he's at. And I feel like the advice I, want to, I really want to give him will help you guys at all different levels. So that's kind of the game plan. So with that said, let's stand and put our hands together for Mr. Nick Fitzgerald. Look how tall I am. Man, I feel like... Okay, so I had him find this post because I wanted to actually share a little piece of it. So this, um, I'm going to share a piece of it. I want to like step back to where you were at that time in your life. So this is July 7, 2017. So when was that, a year and a half ago-ish? A year and a half ago. So July 7, 2017, there was a post that said, long post disclaimer, I hate posting this, blah, 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 right? So at the time, my family's going on vacation. We're packing up the bags and everything. And like, you know what it is. You do a bunch of work and you stop for a second and your wife and kids are gone. You're like, pull out the phone. Just like swap through the Dream 100 and see what's happening. And somehow this post pops up in my feed and I see it. I see Nick, my buddy from like 20 plus years ago. And I'm reading this thing and like my heart like sinks for him. Some of the things he says, I hate posting things like this, but I felt like I need to for a while. Being poor stinks. He says, for, the, for uh, those friends of mine who are ultra conservative and look down, consciously or not, on people like me, I can honestly tell you that I'm not a lazy freeloader who wants something for nothing. I'm not a deadbeat who wants Obama or whoever to blame now to buy me a phone. I'm not a lowlife trying to get the government to pay for my liposuction. I'm not a druggie who eats steak and lobster for dinner with my food stamps. I'm a father of four, a husband, someone who lost everything financially, including our home. When uh, the time came to have your health care in place or to get fined, fine, I went through the process. Based on my family size and income, we referred to the state to apply for those programs. We couldn't get coverage for ourselves through the exchange in other places. We qualified for Medicaid. After the process was complete, the state worker suggested we try to get some, some other help, some food stamps. Kind of goes on and on and on. He says, in 2016, I made $25,000. $25,000 plus our tax returns from the previous year. So our family of six living on $25,000 a year is being audited for receiving too much help, too much assistance he kind of goes on and on and on with that. He so says, I've never abused drugs or alcohol. I've never even tried them. I'm just a guy trying to live the American dream and provide for his family. It's unfortunate that we look down on those who are trying to better lives, even if it leads them from receiving help from systems in place to help them. Look, on, look down on me if you want. I don't care. I know the truth. My family's healthy and sheltered, and that's all that matters. Um, I don't wish to trials on anyone else. And he kind of goes on from there. So I want to take back to that moment and, like, what was, talk about what you experience, experiencing, what you we were going through during that, that time. Whew.
1: I didn't expect this, but um, I'm a friendly giant, but I'm a big boob, too, so Um, back back at that time, so I had started what I thought was, I started my entrepreneurial journey. I was working in film, full-time, working 12, 14, 16-hour days, making 200 bucks a day, you know, just killing myself for my family, and going through the process of you know, I, I lost my job because I wasn't going to hit my sales. I was a financial advisor, and I, I wasn't going to hit my sales number. So, you know, my ticket was stamped, right? So I, I said, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And in the course of all of that, you know, it was time to get your health insurance and those things. And I went through the proper channels like I felt like I should, and I was referred to the government for the programs because of based on the numbers. And for as a, as a provider, as a father <clears throat> and, you know, an athlete com- competitor, I felt like a failure, right? We've all, when you have to rely on somebody else or somebody else tells you, hey, like, we don't think you can do this on your own. Come over here and we'll take care of you, right? That's, that's basically what I was told. And so it was hard to accept that <clears throat> and to to live with that reality. But so we, d- we did, and I, I worked hard, and it was a blessing, really, to not have to worry about... How much healthcare costs, or have some things to supplement to feed our family and stuff. So it was it was great, and it was wonderful. But then I got the email from the state and saying like, "Hey, you're being audited. We we're just looking at things, and we're not sure if you're you've been getting too much help." And so at that point, I'm just sitting there frustrated because I'm working my butt off, just trying to make things happen, make, become. Uh, Somebody involved in the film community in Utah, um, and I was, and l- everyone knew me, and I, I had a reputation, but I still, you know, was a nobody I, in the eyes of the government, right? And so I went to Facebook to whine looking for what i want looking for what i wanted which was a pat on the back and like there there nick you're doing we know you're a good dude and you're working hard and you know that kind of
0: thing and i did i was reading the comments last night that's said, oh no you're doing a good job man good luck like, everyone like <clears throat> babying him about how right. a tough life can be
1: yeah and so i got what i wanted but it wasn't you know it still didn't change anything i still had to submit my last two years of tax returns and all of the pay that I would got and, and everything like that so they could look at our case number not Nick, Liesl, Chloe, you and Alec, William so yeah um. <laughs> <Thanks. clears throat> and so it was just one of those things so I got what
0: I wanted. Then comes Russell to give me what I needed, which was? So I saw that, and I'm like <laughs> packing the kids' bags and everything, and I was like, ah, oh, do I say something? Like, I don't want to be that guy, like, hey, 20 years ago. And I was like, ah, oh, I kept feeling this. And finally I was like, hey, man, I know we haven't talked in like over 20 years. Just a Facebook message. We haven't talked in like 20 years. Um, I saw your post today, and it sucks. Um, and I know what's wrong, and I can help. But at the same time, like I don't, I don't want to be that guy, and I don't, want to, I don't want to step on any toes. I know we haven't talked in 20 years, so I have no idea if it's even appropriate. But I know what's wrong. I can help you. And no, this is not some cheesy MLM I'm trying to pitch you on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you're interested in, in, in some coaching, I know, I, I know what's wrong. And I kind of waited. And I started packing the bags and stuff like that. I'm curious, like, your thoughts initially as you saw that.
1: Well, it's, it's funny because the my phone is kind of blown up with the comments, right? So I, I would hear the little ding and I would, well, I would check. And then I saw that it was a, a message from Russell. And we had like, we'd said like, hey, what's up? And like had a few tiny little small talk conversations, really, but nothing in depth personal, right? And so I saw that he sent a message. And so I'm like, sweet, you know? So I, I look at it and I was half expecting, cause I knew I knew that he was successful. I didn't know about click funnels per se. Like, I, you know, I knew that he had something going on that was awesome, but I didn't know what it was. So I was wondering, I, I wonder what he's going to say, what, what he has to say about things. But I read it, and it was funny because when you said, like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, I don't want to, you know, it's been a long time, I don't want to step on toes kind of thing. I, you know, Russell, we all know his athletic accolades and stuff. I was... A great basketball player, too. I was in the top 200 players in the country my senior year and stuff like that. So I've been coachable, and I've played at high levels and been coached by high-level guys. And so when I read it, and he said, I, can, I know what's wrong, and I can help you. I was like, yes. You know, I, I, that's, that was my reaction. I, was just, I just did the little, you know, the, the little fist pump. Let's do this, right? And so I, I, I replied back, and I thanked him for... Reaching out and stuff, and I just said, I, I, I think I've even said I'm coachable. Oh, yeah. Like I, I will accept any guidance and things like that because, up, up until that point in my life, especially with sports, if a coach showed me something, I would do it with the way he did it, and I would, I would kick the other dudes' butt. I didn't care. <laughs> I've played against guys who made millions of dollars in the NBA. I dunked. I posterized on Sean Marion when he was at UNLV my freshman year of college. I, like, I started as a freshman at a Division I school in college. So, like, I would take, I've always been that kind of, when I get that guidance and that direction, I can put it to work. So I was just like, dude, Mr. Miyagi, right? You're like, Te- teach me. I'm eight, I'm eight days older than him. So you, I'm like, young grasshopper, yes, you can teach me, right? That kind of thing. So I, I, I welcomed it, and I was excited. I had no idea, because, again, I didn't know what he did, You know, I just knew he had a level of success that I didn't have. And if he was willing to give me some ideas,
0: I was going to hear him out for sure. It was fun. So then I messaged him back because I'm like packing the cars, and Clutch's like, "We gotta go, we gotta go." And I was like, "Ah." So I get the thing out. I was like, "All right, this is the deal. I'm driving to Bear Lake. It's like a six-hour drive right now. I'm gonna give you an assignment, and if you do it, then I'll give you the next piece. But most people never do it, so if you don't, that's cool, and I'll just know it's not worth time. But if it's really worth your time, do this thing. I need you to go back and listen to my podcast from episode one, And listen to as many episodes as possible, and if you do that, I'll make you a customized episode just for you, telling you exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. But you have to do that first. And I'm not telling you this because of some ego trip, and like. Just, but just trust me, the problem is not your skill set. You have mad skill. You're good at everything. It's all a problem between your ears. And if we can shift that, we can shift everything else. And I jumped in my car and took off, and I started driving for six hours. Yeah. And then, like, the next day or the day later, you're like, I'm 14 episodes in. He was still listening to the crappy ones, according to Steven Larson. In
1: your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that The market in your car.
0: <laughs> he was probably like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard ever. <laughs> but he did it, right? I said, do it. He said, did it. And kept doing it, kept doing it. And so two days into my family vacation, I had Nora. You guys all know Nora, right? She's the coolest. But she won't go to bed at night. She's a nightmare. Don't <laughs> let the cute face trick you. She's evil, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, I can't go to sleep. So finally, I was like, I'm going to plug her in the car and drive around the lake until she falls asleep. So I plug in the car, strap it in. And I start driving, and I'm like, this could be a long, long thing. She's just smiling back here. And I'm like, oh. God. <laughs> And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do my episode for Nick. So I got my phone out, I clicked record, and for probably almost an hour, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. It was an hour, I'm driving around the lake, and I'm explaining to him what I see. Did anyone here listen to that episode? I'm curious. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so I'm going to map out really quick the core concept, because some of you guys may be stuck in this. Because so, the goal of this, what I want to do is I want to map this out. And then what's funny is last year at Bear Lake, so a year later, we had this thing. I was like, we should do a second round where I do like a year later. This is what, like the advice now. And I wrote a whole outline for it and I totally never did it. And so I'm going to go through the outline to now, kind of show the next phase. So you cool if I show kind of yeah. what I talked about? For sure. All right. For those who missed the podcast episode who haven't been binge listening, you've all failed the test. Now you must go back to episode number one. Listen to the cheesy jingle and get to episode... Four, I don't know, whatever it was. Ken, <laughs> I said this. I said, okay, if you look at any business, any organization, there's three core people, right? The first one is the person at the top who is the entrepreneur, okay? And I said, the cool thing about the entrepreneur is the entrepreneur is the one that makes the most amount of money, right? Like, they're the head that thing they make the most amount of money. The problem with the entrepreneur is they also have the most risk, so they're more likely to, like, lose everything, Right? Like, I've lost everything multiple times because I'm like the guy risking everything. But the nice thing is like entrepreneurs provide their own paycheck. There's no ceilings, right? So they can make as much as they want. They can make a million, 10 million, 100 million. They can do whatever they want because there's no ceiling, right? So that's the first personality type. So the second personality type over here is what we call the technicians. Okay, the technicians are the people that actually do the work, right? And what's funny, if you look at this, these are, people who go to college with the technicians, Right? And what do they do? They look down on entrepreneurs. They look down on sales. People like, oh, you're in sales? Like, what are you, a doctor? For crying out loud in the night? But they're like, they look down on, on, on people like us, right? Because like, I'm a doctor. I went to 45 years of school. Now, what's interesting is that there's technicians in all sorts of different spots, right? <laughs> I actually feel bad. I shouldn't say this out loud. But um, on the airport here, I saw one of my friends who's an amazing doctor. And him and his wife were leaving on a trip and we were talking. And he said, this is the first trip my wife and I have been on in 25 years together by ourselves. I was like, what? He's like, well, we had medical school and then we had kids and then we had to pay off medical school and all these things. Now the kids are gone and now we finally have a chance to leave. And I was like, wow, our whole life we're fed that like medical school, becoming a doctor's this, anyway, I, that's a rant for the other day. But I was like, there's technicians, right? And what's interesting about technicians is they don't have any risk, right? So there's no risk whatsoever, but they do have a, there's a price ceiling on every single person that's a technician, Right. And depending on what job you have, your price ceiling is different, right? So doctor, the price ceiling is—I have no idea doctors make—500 grand a year is like the price ceiling. That's amazing, but like that's—they can't go above that, right? And different tasks, different roles, different positions all have different price ceilings. But there's like, you know, this role as a technician makes about this much, and this one makes this much, and you're all kind of these things, right? And so the problem with you right now, you have these amazing skill sets, but you are stuck as a technician in a role where they're capping out where the only thing you can make is 25K a year. And remember I asked you, I'm like, what have you been doing? You're like, oh, I've been networking, I've been learning, I've been getting my skills up, I'm getting amazing. I'm like, that's amazing, your skills are awesome, but your ceiling's 25 a year. Yeah, doesn't matter how good you get, you are stuck, because you're in a technician role right now. I said, so you got a couple options. Number one is go become an entrepreneur, which is scary, especially when you've got four kids at home, and you don't have money anyway, right? I'm so eternally grateful that when I started this game, um, my wife, I mean, first off, we didn't have kids yet. My wife was... Um, my wife was working. We didn't have any money, but like, I didn't have to have any money that time. And like, I'm so grateful that I was able to do this at the time because I was able to risk things that, I, that nowadays is hard. Like for you to come jump out on your own initially and just be like, boom, I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm like, I'm selling this stuff. That's scary, right? Because you've got all this, um, all this risk. And so I was like, that's the thing, but it's going to be really, really hard. I said, but there's, the good news, there's one more spot in this ecosystem. And the cool thing about that spot is that it's just like the entrepreneur. There's no ceiling. Now the third spot over here is what we call the rainmakers. Right? Yeah. The rainmakers are the people that come into a business and they know how to make it rain. Okay, this is the people that know how to bring people into a company. Okay, leads, they bring leads in, they know all this traffic stuff we're talking about. These are the people who know how to sell the leads and actually get money out of people's wallets and put it into the hands of the entrepreneur. These people right here, the rainmakers, don't have ceilings. In fact, companies who give the rainmakers a ceiling are the stupidest people in the world because the rainmaker will hit the ceiling and then they'll stop. Right? If you're smart and you have a company, you have rainmakers, people driving traffic, people doing sales, if you have a ceiling, they will hit it and then they will stop. Okay? But you get rid of the ceiling and then all of a sudden they have as much as they want. They have less risk than the entrepreneur, but they have the ability to make unlimited amount of money. I said, your skill set over here as a technician is worth 25K a year. But do you take your skill set and you shift it over here? You say, I come into companies, I'm a rainmaker. I create videos, I create stories that will sell more products, more things. Suddenly you're not worth $25,000. Now you're worth $100,000. You're worth $500,000. You're, you're worth whatever you're able to do because there's no ceiling anymore. And that was the point of the podcast. I got done sending it, and then I sent it to him, and I sent it to my brother to edit. And I have no idea what you thought about it at that point because we didn't talk a little while after it. but I'm curious where you went from there. So the first thing,
1: you know, being told that I was really only worth 25000 in the eyes of the people who were hiring me, that was a punch in the gut. That sucks to hear. Thanks, man. And you know, it was just like, because I I literally was working twelve, fourteen, sixteen hour days, lifting hair, heavy stuff. I did a lot with lighting and camera work, um, not necessarily the, the story writing stuff. But you know, I was, and it was for him to to put it so perfectly that I was a technician. I thought I thought going in. So when I failed as an advisor, and I started. Uh, my own company or started doing videos for people and being so scared to charge somebody 250 bucks for a video being like, Oh, they're going to say no, you know, that kind of thing. And now, you know, I wouldn't blink my eyes for that, but you know, it's like one of those things for him to tell it to me that way. And just straightforward being like, like you're, you're, you are, you're learning great skills and you're meeting amazing people. I worked with Oscar winners and uh, Emmy winners and stuff in the movies and shows that I worked on. But again, I was only worth that much. They had they had a finite amount of money, and I was a small part of it, so I got a small piece. And um, so, listening to all of that, and then hearing the like, the entrepreneur, like the risk and stuff. I'm I'm a I'm really tall. I'm six nine. If you didn't know, <laughs> um, I'm a sink or swim guy. But because I'm tall, I can reach the bottom of the pool a lot easier. <laughs> so. Um, I, when I jumped in, like we had lost, as a financial advisor, we lost our home and we lost all these things. So I was like, I have nothing else to lose, like worst case scenario. And I had never heard that uh, mindset before. We were renting a basement from a family member. We had, our cars were paid off, you know, like worst case scenario is we stay there and get food stamps and that kind of thing. There was nowhere to go but up from there. So um, for me, I was just so excited. I'm like, I want to be a rainmaker, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know where to find the people that I could do that for. So I was in this thing where I was still getting lots of calls to work as a technician, but I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to put myself, my body, my family through me being gone. And then when I'm home, I'm just a bump on a log because I'm so wiped out, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that was my biggest first thing uh, action point for me as I started thinking is like, okay, how do I transition out of this? How do I get myself out and start meeting the right people, the right kinds of clients who do have budgets and, and things like that? And how do I make it rain for them? So um, that's when I made that shift from working as a technician. I told myself I'm not going to do it anymore. The last time I technically worked as a technician was um, about nine months ago. It was for a friend. You're right. Um, and so I, I made that shift And it was just amazing Like, like, we talk, like Russell was talking about earlier when you, when you start to track it Or when it's part of your mindset Things start to show up and happen You meet the right people and stuff And so those things just started Just by listening to that one hour long thing I started changing And then uh, the, the black box I got expert secrets and dot com secrets And started going through that as well And it was just like that you see in the Funnel Hacker TV, like that moment where the guy goes, Bwah! like that's what happened with me. It was like a whole new world, you know. Like Aladdin was singing, he was Aladdin and I was Jasmine, um, right? With with the beard, I can show you the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and th-
0: but that's what really, like, literally happened with me. So it's cool. All right. So this this is like summertime, and so he's going through this process now, figuring things, changing, he's shifting things, like changing his mindset. We go through the summer, we go through Christmas, and then um, last year's Funnel Hacking Live. Were we in February, March last year. March. March. And so before Funnel Hacking Live, we kind of just touch base every once in a while. I like, seeing that things are going, I like, "Oh, things are going good," and figure things out. And then Funnel Hack Live is coming, and uh, I remember because we're sitting there, and I think you messaged me or something you're like, "Oh, Funnel Hockey Live was awesome. I wish I could make it." I was like, "Why don't you come?" And you're like, "Ah, oh, I just can't make it yet." I was like, "How about this, man? I guarantee you, if you show up, it'll change your life forever. Um, I'm not going to pay for your flights to your hotel, but if you can figure out how to get there, I'll give you a free ticket." And that's the last I said. And I, if you can come, let Melanie know, and that's, that's it. And I didn't really know much because you guys know in the middle of Funnel Hacking Live, like my life is chaos, <laughs> um, trying to figure out how to juggle them and all that stuff, right? And so uh, next thing I know, at Funnel Hacking Live, we're sitting there, and during the session looking out, and I see Nick standing there in the audience. And I was like, I have no idea how he got there, but he's there. Like freaking good for him. Like that's, that's and I have no idea really, how did you get there? It wasn't probably an easy process for you, is it? No, uh, credit cards,
1: right? It was, I, it was one of those things I looked I looked at flights. As soon as we had that conversation, you know, I, it was funny because I was, I can't remember what was going on, but it was a day or two before I responded back to his invitation. And I was like, I'd be stupid to say no. Uh, you know, I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I'll hit, I think I said, like, I'll hitchhike if I have to to get there, right? Could you imagine this giant Sasquatch on, the, on Route 66 trying to get to Florida, right? But... but um, I told my wife about it, and you know this is where Russell and I have this in common, like my wife is incredible and super supportive and she let me she let me go and we, we didn 't have the money in the bank, so i said i 'm going to put this on the credit card, and as soon, like as soon as I get back i 'm going to go to work And it i 'll pay it off you know i 'll get a couple of clients, and it 'll be fine. And so I booked the hotel. Uh, luckily, I was able to get somebody who wasn't going to be able to go at the last minute, and I got their hotel room, and I got the flight, and I came in, and I was in the tornado warnings, like, circling the <laughs> airport for five hours like the rest of you were. But um, <laughs> So I got there, and I just remember I was just so excited. Um, and, like, walking in the room the very first day, like, the doors open, and, well, you, you all know what it's like. I don't have to relive the story, but, like, I I remember I walked in, and I had, like, the hair on my arms, and it was just, like, right? It was just, like, incredible. Just the energy and the feeling, and I was like, this is so cool. And then the very first speech, like, I was like, that was worth every penny to get here. If I left right now, it would have all been worth it, right? And you all know, because you're sitting here, you've, you've felt that, too. So that was my, like, getting there. It was like, honey, I know we don't have the money. We have space on the credit card and when i get home i swear i'll work hard and it'll be okay right
0: and she's like okay go and so so i did and it's (laughs) cool all right so now i want to talk about not day one or day two but on day three of filmmaking life how you guys remember what happened on day three Russell sneak attacked all you guys. I was like, if I start going secret one, secret two, secret three, all of you guys like, oh, here it is, sitting back. I was like, how do I do the perfect webinar without people knowing it's the perfect webinar? And I'm figuring this whole thing out, trying to figure out, and uh, we built a nice presentation and created an amazing offer for this program you guys are all in. And um, as you know, all of you guys got excited, you're in the back, you signed up, and now you're here. But um, you told me this personally, I hope you were willing to share this, but I thought it was amazing. Um, because you didn't sign up that night and I love to hear what happened from then till the next day and kind of go through that process. Yeah. So this is my first click funnels like, I I was all new to this whole thing.
1: And, uh, I was so excited when the 12 month millionaire presentation came up and I was like, this is awesome. And then I like, see in the stack and I'm like, I'm seeing the, the wizard has pulled the, I can see the wizard doing his thing. Right. And I was just <laughs> so excited. And then the price. And it was a punch in the gut to me Because I was so I'm like listening to it I'm like this is what I need This is what I want This is what I need Everything And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing And then the, the price came And like seriously I, It just like The rest of the night I was just like The rest of the presentation and And, and everything after that I was just kind of like Like zoned out I just didn't know what to do Because I knew I needed it so badly But I was like that's almost twice what we're paying in rent right now. You know, it was just like, how am I gonna justify this when I, you know, I'm on food stamps and Medicaid and you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, oh, I'm, uh, yes, I'm on that, but I drop this money on a coaching program, right? <laughs> like, From his this internet coach. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so I'm having this mental battle and I get back home to my room that night and I didn't go hang out with people or I just was not feeling it. And I, I remember like texting my wife on the, on the walk back to the room and I took the long way around the, the pond, you know, just slowly, depressedly meandering back to my room, right? And I'm texting her and I'm telling her it was how amazing it was and what the program would do and, and all that kind of stuff. She's like, that sounds great. And you know, I'm like purposely not saying how much it's gonna cost. <laughs> Just to get her excited about it. So then I could maybe do a stack with her, right? And be like, well, for this and this, you know. See if I could try it. I didn't, but I I failed when it came to, like, you know, doing that. And I told her the price, and she's like, that's a lot of money. Like, how are you going to pay for it? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, the only thing I could do, because I have to, like, sign up while I'm here and pay for it while I'm here. Like, I could put it on the credit card and then we will figure it out. Right. But so we talked a lot and I talked to my dad and it was the same thing. He was just like, and that's a lot, you know, just like the scarcity mindset that a lot of us have with, with our family members and support system that aren't, don't think we are, who aren't the crazy ones. And, um, so I went to bed and, you know, I, I got emotional and stuff like that. And I slept so, so bad. I just didn't sleep very well that whole night. And again, I talked to my wife again in that next morning, and I just, we just said, it would be awesome, but we can't, I can't do it, so I'm just going to work hard and just figure something out, and then if it ever opens up again, then I'll be in a position to do it. So that, I left my room that morning with that in my mind. I, I made the mistake of keeping my wallet in my pocket, though, <laughs> right? Because I'm here, right? Uh, so uh, I, again, made the, the long walk back and kind of gave myself a pep talk. Like, don't don't worry about that kind of stuff. Just, like, get more value out of it. Meet more people, all that. And so that's when I left my room the next morning. That was where my mind was.
0: Then what happened next?
1: I walked into the room, and Kevin Anson, who I had... It's funny, he he does a lot of editing for, for ClickFunnels, and he and I had actually met like independent of ClickFunnels before, like it was one of those things like, oh, you do, oh my gosh, it was like two months after we'd met, right? So I was talking to him, uh, just chit chatting, and I just had, right then in my mind, it was like, walk over to the table and sign up. If you don't do it now, you're never gonna do it. And it was just one of those things because I had told, I would given myself that speech, that whole five minute walk across the property. And so I finished up talking with him and I just said, I'll be right back. And I walked straight over to the table Got out the credit card <laughs> and wrote it all down. And I'm like, I don't even know what my limit is. So I hope whenever they run this that it's, it goes through or, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So I did. And I got that little silver ribbon that we all got. And again, like the chills. Like I was just like, holy crap, this is amazing. I put it on my little lanyard thing and I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was just like the adrenaline and all that stuff that I'm doing it and my wife is going to kill me when I get back home. So, you know, so that's, then I went and got my seat and I just was like floating, you know, I was just like so amped. Like I could have Steven larsoned it and just like <laughs> screamed over the noise of everybody else. And it would have been very, uh, you would have heard it, right? So that's what, that's what I did that morning. I was like, nope, I'm not gonna do it, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. I walked in, 60 seconds,
0: done. <laughs> done. You have my money, right? So I'm curious. Um, when did you tell your wife? It's like a marriage counseling session, huh? Yeah. Do you have a couch I can lay down on? No. Um, a big couch. Yeah,
1: really. <laughs> um, so I got home and I I didn't tell her at all. I didn't because I said, okay, the clock is ticking. I have 30 days till that hits again, and the, or or you know 20 days till the credit card statement comes, and she's like, wait, why is there an extra two thousand bucks on here? Right. And so I just I said, I've got some time because my wife is she's five, three. She's a dainty, little petite lady. And but, you know, she's not scary, I guess. But like <laughs> I was like, oh, this is the first time I was really like scared to tell her something in our marriage. <laughs> um, so I, I just said, I'm going to I'm just going to hit the road hard and see what I can come up with to at least cover the 1800 and the hotel, like for the, what I racked up at Funnel Hacking Live and then that will give me another 30 days to figure something out, right? So I went and uh, I, I never told her until the credit card statement came. And she saw it and she's like, what's this? <laughs> but what happened before that, oh, I don't know, do you, do you have something after that or do no, you want me to go this to great. the next part? Okay, so me going to work and like, I'm like, I got to find it. And it was funny, like that night at Funnel Hacking Live, I, I went on Facebook and I, I, I created like some like, you know, half thought through offer where I was like, Hey, if I can get, if I can get like five people locally where I'm at to like do a monthly low number where I create a couple of videos from a monthly retainer that'll, that'll cover it and I can figure it, but nobody nibbled on it. Right. So I got home and I started, you know, just, uh, trying to figure stuff out and I had met another lady who had a company and she uses ClickFunnels for her course. It was funny, I talked to her before I went to Funnel Hacking Live and we were talking and she was like, do you know ClickFunnels? I was like, that's so crazy, I do, you know? Um, Because I'd never met anybody else that that had. And uh, so I got home and I shot a little video with her. It was a test to do some modules for her course. And she loved it, and it was great. And so we were talking about, she had like 20 videos she wanted to do. And um, we were talking about budget, and I just said, you know what? To, for that much, for the, those, that many videos and all this kind of stuff, it's going to be $25,000. And she didn't even blink. She was like, perfect. That's great. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and... Uh, You guys
0: You're going to make me cry (laughs) Thank you
1: And that was Like maybe two weeks after I got home That that happened and I, I I left her house, and I tried my hardest not to do, like, a jump heel click going down <laughs> her driveway, her, out to my car. And I got I got around the corner, and I, I messaged Russell, and I was like, dude, you'll never guess. I just closed my first five-figure deal, and this is what it was. And, you know, and he was like, that's so cool, you know. But it was um, the whole Plata oplomo Plomo thing, like... I would never had the guts to ask for something like that. I know that I should, and that my skills and what I can do are worth that and more, and it's been proven to me again and again since then. But to ask the first time, that first time you have a big ask, and like you're just throwing yourself out there, and if she would have said no, what now? What am I gonna do? Because I I actually done another pitch where I did like a webinar. Pitch where I had a stack and slides and stuff because it had to, it was for a chamber of commerce. I wanted to charge them like twenty five hundred a month to do like four videos for a year, and I did the whole thing. Like if you do it, it's twenty five hundred a month, or if you do it all right now, it's the, you know like whole, And they they passed on it. You know I was like ah, oh. so it was just one of those things where it being around y'all, right? Like being that was my first experience being around entrepreneurs really. I have friends who had businesses, or, but like, I felt weird for wanting to create my own thing or being selfish because I have four kids. Like, why don't you go get a real job? All, all those conversations that you hear and have with yourself, especially when things aren't going great. Um, but it was, it was like, okay, I, I have to get it done or I have to drop out. And I just, even in that short amount of time, I had received so much value from the people that I had been beginning to meet. And then as the content started coming out, I was like, there's no way. I could live without this after having a taste of it, right? So that was my, uh, I just had to get it done, and it worked out.
0: Amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that story. <laughs> so cool. Mm. All right, so since then, how many of you guys watched his, uh, are you daily or almost daily Facebook Lives? Pretty how much, often?
1: almost daily, like, I'll miss something. He has watch there, his like, daily
0: Facebook Lives-ish. Okay, He's doing what we're saying, right? He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. I see it every day. I see it. I see it coming to my feet. He pops my thing over and over. He's doing what we're talking about. He's attracting people. He's telling stories. He's like, all the stuff we're talking about, he's been doing it. Okay? But part of it was like he had to have that emotion, that, that plot plum a moment, and then he hit it, and then it's just like he's been running and running and running. And it's been so insanely fun to watch the progress and the growth. I mean, some of you guys know he put out an event that's coming up this weekend and sold out in like five seconds. He's like, oh, I sold out. Should I, like, make it bigger? I'm like, no. People should respond to you faster. It's their fault. Like, sell it out, because next time it'll be easier to sell out again, easier to sell out again. Be did it by, by doing tons of value, telling stories, telling stories, telling stories, providing more value to you guys, to other entrepreneurs, to other people in the community, and people are noticing, right? All the stuff we talked about today, he's doing it consistently, consistently, and consistently doing it, okay? Um, that was so cool. I did not know where to go from here. All right. I don't know where to go from here. Okay. Um, um, before I move into this uh, Was it scary?
1: All of it scary? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah. Well This is what I, Back to my competitive days I didn't care who, who I've played against the best players in the country At high levels And I didn't care if you were Going to the NBA being recruited by Duke and th- I, Once we got in the lines I didn't care who you were I was going to make you look silly I would, I would hold, I was, I, you wouldn't score a point on me, or I would just like outwork you, and if you wanted to get anywhere, I was in your face the whole time, right? And so this was a whole different game for me. And like, I remember Myron uh, talking about, in his speech at Funnel Hacking Live, like, you have to stay in the game long enough to learn the game, and I was new to this game, like brand new, like less than, less than 12 months when I went to Funnel Hacking Live, right? And it was, it was terrifying because, not necessarily because I didn't think I could do it, I was just worried when, how long it would take, really. Like, am I going to go and I'm just going to spin my wheels and it's going to be 15 years, like uh, 2099, and I'm wheeling up across to get my <laughs> reward from him in his wheelchair. was was like, hey, buddy, you know, that kind of thing. Or like, I just didn't know how to make it happen quick. Uh, and that kind of stuff. So I was definitely scared, uh, not necessarily failing because I had failed before, but I was just scared how long mm-hmm.
0: it was going to take. One of the best moments for me was the summer. Um, him and his family were driving home from, I can't remember where but they're driving through Boise. He's like, we can swing by and say hi. My kids want to meet. My wife wants to meet you. And always, always a scary thing. When you have met someone's wife or kids. You're like, what if they hate me? And I remember, it, and then I started thinking, like, oh my gosh, like he spent all his money coming out here, and then he bought the thing. And I'm like, she might legitimately want to kill me. Like, I have no idea. I was a little bit nervous, and I came and met them, met the kids, super cool. And some of the cool thing, um, your wife just looked at me. She said, "Thank you." And I was like, oh, "How cool is that?" And just the coolest thing. Like, thank you for convincing, persuading, whatever the things are to do this thing. I think sometimes in entrepreneurs we feel the guilt or the nervousness of like, ah, oh, should I sell somebody something like? Is it right? Is it wrong? It's like, you have to understand that when you're doing it, like, it's, not, it's not a selfish thing for you. It's like, how do I get this person to take the action they need to do? Because most people don't do it until they make an investment. It's just the human nature. They'll keep dinking around and dinking around. They'll do whatever, like, whatever it is, but until like, they have a commitment, until they make that covenant like Myron talked about earlier, people don't change, right? And so in any aspect of life, if want wants to make a change, like, there's got to be something that causes enough pain to cause the change. Which is why we had the program. We could have priced the program really, really cheap. I was like, no, we I, we legitimately wanted to make a plotter pull moment for everybody. And you notice when the program signed up, not everybody who signed up is here today. Some people fell away. Some people left. Like things happen, right? I totally understand. But I wanted to make it painful enough that we get people to move. And there are people in this room. I've joked about like Nick probably shouldn't have bought that. If you'd asked him, like, no, dude, don't. What are you thinking? Why would you do that? As a friend, like, this is weird, but I'm so grateful. Are you grateful you did? Absolutely. I think, where's Marie Larson? Is she still in here? I talked about this in the podcast. Yes. She was in the same situation. Like, she should not have signed up for it. It's insane. I think I saw this text. She said, Stephen, she's like, how much did you have in your bank account when you signed up for it? I on clock, I $70, in my bank. $70 in the bank account, $1,800 a month bill she signed up for, right? And then she started happening and she was freaking out it was going. And if you guys haven't listened to the podcast lean in yet, I told this whole story. Um... But he got nervous, right? Month one hit, month two happened. And she's like, oh my gosh, she's like I need to leave. I can't afford this. And she's talking to Steven and Steven's like, well, you could leave and walk away or you could lean in. And so she said, ah, okay, I'm gonna lean in. And she leaned in and I've watched this. Her business over the last three, four, five, six months is growing and it's growing and it's growing because she leaned in. Tough times will come every single time it comes. But like those who lean in, are the ones who make it through that and then who grow and who build huge businesses. Hey, everybody, this is Russell again. And really quick, I just opened up a texting community, which means you can text me your questions. And right now I'm spending anywhere between 10 and 30 minutes every single day answering questions um, through text message to people who are on the podcast. And so I wanted you to stop everything you're doing, pull your phone out, and actually text me a message, okay? Now, the phone number you need to text is 208-231-3797. Once again, it's 208-231-3797. When you text me, just say hello, and then what's gonna happen is I'll add you to my phone, and then they'll send you back a message where you can add me to your phone, and then we can start having conversations. Uh, On top of that, through this texting community, is where I'm gonna be giving out free swag, giving away uh, free copies of my book, i uh, let you know about book signings, about times I'm coming to your local area, and a whole bunch more. Just so want to make sure you are on this list. On top of that, every single day, I'm sending out my favorite quotes, my favorite frameworks, and things you can get for free only through my texting platform. So what you need to do right now is pull out your phone and text me at area code 208-231-3797. One more time, that's 208-231-3797. I can't wait to hear from you right now.